Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Dominic Gawley, consultant with Human Synergistics Australia. I'm joined by our head of consulting, Corinne Kander. Hey, Corinne. Hi, Dom. And we've got another special guest in the studio today, and that's Rob Phipps, who's the MD of Evolve Fast. Hey, Rob. Hey, Dom. How you doing? Doing really well. And so I invited you both into the studio today because I saw you at, at our conference, annual conference in, in Sydney and Melbourne, talking about catching waves. And it's a white paper you've both put out and then a, a presentation at the conference. And we'll, we'll have the video for that as well and the, the links for this episode. But I want to get you on to get behind it a little more and kind of get where you're at. So what do you think about that? Perfect. Sounds amazing. Well, I guess where I'd like to start is how did it come to be, Rob? How did it come to be, Dom? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Corinne and I have known each other for quite a while now, mm. actually. I think Corinne introduced me to Human Synergistics many, many I years ago. I did your ago. accreditation. You, you definitely yeah. did my accreditation, most certainly. I think it's at least seven years. At least. Eight, maybe. Yeah. And I'm a curious soul and um, I've, I've, I've been a long-time comer to your um, your convention and last year Quinn touched on a topic or talked about a topic in her presentation at the convention that I'm actually very passionate about which is the notion of I guess bringing to life culture on a daily basis mm. and so I'm also can be a little plucky sometimes I guess and at the end of it I said Quinn I thought that was just amazing and then obviously I gave her some feedback on what she should call it. <laughs> which was something like microcultures. Actually, on that day, you didn't even say hello to me. You just went, microculture. I got very excited. I loved it. You very the moment. Excited. I've, got the it. Moment. I've got it. And I just knew when he looked at me and said microculture, I knew that I had to give him some space because he was having a light bulb moment. And I said, great, let's write about it. I think you even used the term white paper, if I remember correctly. I, I think you might have actually looked at me with one of those wonderful looks that you get pointed at me and said, white paper. I did That's actually what I recall. do that, it was, yeah. a, it was a moment. And, yeah, um, right. and I went, sure, <laughs> not actually knowing what that really <laughs> meant. What is a white paper What anyway? is a white paper? And then... I didn't know what a microculture was. <laughs> <so> was <laughs> even Stevens. Well, we're, we're still working it out, aren't we? Yeah. And then we kind of had a bit of time and started to think and talk and meet and get into, I guess, an under the hood of culture and... I think we both share a passion for the things that maybe people don't talk about in terms of culture mm-hmm. and um, and got a head of steam up and here we are. Yeah. So so what is it all about then, Corinne? If you know, Rob came at it from the microculture, but now it's crash <laughs> crashing waves, now it's <laughs> catching waves. Sometimes it crashes. Sometimes it crashes. Mm-hmm. Now it's catching waves. But so we're w- catching waves. So yeah. what's it about? What's the heart of it? I guess when we sat down to talk about it, and interestingly, microcultures didn't come up, but it's still relevant. We just sat down and talked about what was really important to us. Like, what is it that if we we're going to use this as a vehicle to have a say, what was it that we wanted to say? And oh. we used a structure that helped us identify what did we think the problem was? Why did we think it was a problem? And what did we think was the way to overcome it? Oh. So it's pretty emergent. I don't think we didn't, neither one of us sat down and thought, okay, this is what I want to do and it'll look like this. And so we didn't come like that at all. We were pretty, we were both really open to what emerged from a process and the process was pretty loose as well. 
And then out of that, I guess what emerged was that we really wanted to talk about culture. We wanted to talk about the fact that it is not easy and that it, it you can't dabble in it and that there's a lot of things out there about culture that are often myth and confusing. Mm. People stall at action. They know they have to work on culture. They know they want to, but I don't know what to do. And um, we have spent a lot of time working on culture and with organizations in culture. We're both really passionate about how powerful culture can be in unlocking growth, both at an individual level and org level. And so we decided that we'd write about that. And then we just sort of, it really kind of, it really did kind of emerge out of discussions and we went away. Rob started, we kind of did a, a kind of, our process was Rob would start and then I would build. And so we had one document that we were just both adding uh-huh. to. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. So it's around that. It's it's not easy and you, ca- you can't dabble. So is it kind of a, for people like, how do you do this kind of stuff? How do you get going, Rob? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I kind of express it as I wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know that's a, such a, it's almost like a hackney phrase in life, but you know, how do we construct something that's a gift to people in terms of the way forward based on, yeah, what, what for both of us, I think has been a pretty interesting set of experiences in a whole bunch of different places around the world. So yeah, for us, it's, I've learned so much through trial and error. I've had some wonderful guidance over my many years in, in corporate, or had some wonderful guidance over many years in my corporate life. But I have a, a confidence around bringing culture to life in a way that's meaningful, in a way that has some longevity about it, which uh. are a couple of my, I guess, um, values are very important to me. If you go do something, do it to last, not, uh. not so that it kind of, um, it's a one-trick pony. So to, for yeah, a while, yeah, it's a bright, shiny object. Yeah. And culture's like that. It's not, a, it's not really a bright, shiny object. It's a... It's like a bridge. It's a, and we we talk about it. And we talk about joking about waves. You know, we that's why we felt the metaphor of the ocean was such an important thing to build into our writing. Not only because it gives story a color, but it's incredibly meaningful in terms of an environment that exists that hosts all sorts of different species that changes without warning. Sometimes that is always on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And when you think about culture, I think. That's kind of yeah. where we're at, right? You you can't not have an ocean. Yeah, right. You can't not have culture. Mm. You know, it's just impossible not to have a culture. And um, so, I guess we wanted we called it catching waves because one of the issues we both see is that even after decades, we people still struggle with what culture is mm. and how to work with it because you can't see it, you can't touch it, you feel it, and you you might experience it but it's invisible. And um, we thought that if there was a metaphor and analogy that it might be more relatable if we could get the concepts through via an analogy. It's like the ocean. It hosts a number of species. Mm-hmm. It's always there. It overflows with you or it you know, flows against you. And then each of our chapters, if you like, are based on reading the conditions paddling out, catching a wave, riding a wave. So we kind of talk about the process of doing, working on culture or with culture as we use the metaphor throughout. So what what would it be like, you know, and use these as beacons, if you like, to help Mm. people get a sense of where are we now? Like I've decided I want to change culture. What do I need to do? Yeah. 
you know, and, and what do I do? Because it's, you can't see it, you can't feel it. So that's where the metaphor came in. And it's very rich in the feedback we've had so far is people really relate to it because they feel that they get that kind of sense of continuity that otherwise I think you lose when you talk about culture. Do you think? Mm, absolutely. We, I think a comment I was going to make is it's interesting too just at the moment and, and, and whilst we're, it, it sounds loose, I, I think the way in which we've kind of gone about this has been really quite mm. measured and specific, you know, Today, the headlines just seem to reek with it's all about culture. And I think that's probably accidental. Our passion for it probably doesn't match the fact that there oh, seems to be this huge demand, mm. but this is the way it's worked out. But you read the paper and whatever you see in terms of corporate news oh. seems to headline, problem, reason, culture, <laughs> yeah. substance around culture, very little. Yeah. yeah. And that sounds a little perhaps... Um, too much or, or to are hypercritical, and I'm not intending to be that because it is so complicated. But again, I think as we've been able to come together and share our experience and, and join it together in a way that I think multiplies rather than adds, mm. um, it's been lovely to be able to come up with something that we hope will, will, will help people and organisations. So speaking of that, Rob, and you, and you touched on earlier that it's around you know what you know now that you wish you knew earlier mm. and that concept. And so so if we take the take the metaphor and we talked about you know knowing the conditions. So what does that mean? What are we looking for in the conditions? What do you wish you knew then that you know now? Yeah, well, uh, the first thing that popped into my mind, Dom, I think it's related to what you're saying is, you know, corporate life is linear or tends to be a little linear mm. with a cycle, right? So you have quarterly earnings, half yearly earnings, yearly earnings, whatever. You have your results that you have to achieve in a year, et cetera, et cetera. If you're, you know, reading the conditions of that, when do you actually start something that might take three to five years? Mm. And then how do you convince your stakeholders who might be a bit grumpy because performance needs to change or they might be mm. exceedingly happy because performance is going so well mm. that jumping onto something that will take so long is going to actually deliver the results that they all think are going to be necessary for your organization, mm. whatever the flavor or form of that organization actually is. So. I think accepting that it's a like the ocean, uh, something that's sort of all being and, and all encompassing, and that requires, I guess, less of a linear approach to management is very, very important. And one of the stories that we talk about in the paper is, you know, you can't just jump onto a wave and surf. Go have a chat to Kelly Slater, work out that you know this is what he's done to be a world champion, and go click. I'll do the same. You need yeah. to understand the environment. Oh, so you that stand up, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you rip through a tube, right? Yeah, you, right? You can't. You can't. You can't just do that. You need to actually have a look around you, understand what your organisation's experiencing at the moment, and and how to then form part of a make a plan, I guess, to mm. to get to that over over time, rather than to mm. jump straight in. Because yeah. if you jump straight in. And you're not Kelly it's Slater. Dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, you jump yeah. in the, the, the big wave competition and totally, don't know yeah. how to stand and, up. And, and the other thing is when you read in the conditions, you never jump in the surf without knowing where it is that you want to head to. Mm. You know, if you're a surfer, you read the conditions. Where's the wind? Mm. You know, what's happening to the, the waves? Where are the breaks? And so, and people who do jump in get hurt, you know, and it's the same thing with culture that to what end? You know, where are we going with this? Why are we doing this? How do we know we've arrived? You know, what are our markers along the way? 
that let us know that we're on track, okay? We're still, because once you do culture, you start swimming and you're, mm. you're out in the, the deep and there'll be some turbulence along the way, there'll be some chop and sometimes you might lose your space for a second. So you need to be really clear about where you are right now, where it is that you'd like to be, why it is that you'd like to be there, what's going to be the benefit of being there. So for your stakeholders who are looking at a quarterly, half yearly, full year, like you've mm. got to be able to report to them. They can't not be part of the picture. Mm. And so part of reading the conditions was how do you set yourself up, set the organization up so that you start well, you know, or you, you give yourself a chance really. Mm. Mm. By making sure that you've you've mapped the territory, you know, and you've got your eye locked into somewhere where you want to go. Wow. Yeah, so it's you know, I love the bit about Kelly Slater and not copying them because I think people do that with culture where they're like, oh, Google do twenty percent mm. time, we're going to do twenty percent time. <laughs> mm. It's like that doesn't doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah, and then being clear on okay, where where is it that we actually want to go? Why are we doing it? Mm. What problem are we solving? In a in a cultural uh, in a organizational context right what are we actually doing this for vital all right and then so after that we had paddling out so so i guess you've read the conditions we know why we're doing it but we have to yeah to learn to surf you got to get wet i guess right you got to get out there so what are you doing there corinne what do you reckon paddling out was i guess this is the bit where we talked about the fact that there's a lot that you don't know about working on culture until you've done you've done it or you've been doing it. I don't know that there's any way of learning it. I mean, we're going to give people a heads up, but some of these things aren't in the literature. So one of the things that we found is that there's a certain amount of uncertainty and ambiguity that comes with doing cultural change because sometimes people love the culture that they've got and their identity is invested in that culture. So if you come along and you say there's a problem with it, they feel threatened and it's called survival anxiety. And so that might trigger resistance. And so you then have to create psychological safety in order to help them learn a different way of being. It's quite complex, easy to say, hard Mm. to do. But I think one of the things that people like myself and Rob and leaders have a role in doing, but change agents, particularly whether you're inside the organization or outside, Part of your job is actually helping to helping people through that anxiety. Now, sometimes anxiety is a big word. Nobody wants to feel like they are anxious. Yeah. But the way it shows up is asking clarification and reclarification of the simplest things. It's not the mm, right time. Mm. You know, I'm really love this, but mm. okay. So it shows up in all these ways. But what's really happening is people are uncertain, and so part of our job is to help people through that uncertainty maintain the momentum. It's the same with paddling out. You, you know, you've got yourself finally onto the surfboard and suddenly you're in the water. Okay. You can't see and you can't touch the bottom. And so you might have a moment of panic. Wow. Okay. And that happens with culture change as well. So that's uncertainty is a big one. The other one is I think we talked about the fact that everybody's individual experience of culture is really different. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about this one a lot, didn't we? And the way I described it when when we did the convention was if you – so you're a busy executive. 
you have a meeting. Usually it's a meeting and a series of meetings throughout that day. For some uh-huh. reason, the length of that meeting is usually one hour. Some organizations go for culture change and make it 45 minutes, which I think is actually a good idea because the calendars are set up for this <laughs> like, really interesting. Them, yeah. So every meeting seems to be either half an hour or an hour. And if it's three quarters of an hour, you're in trouble because you, you're not used to that. But just for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of 10 people. You're one of them. When you're in that meeting, every single one of the people in that meeting has a different experience of what's going on because we're human. We yeah. have different biases. We have different templates that we've formed as we've been growing up and as we're getting into corporate life. So culture is interesting because that's a kind of, this is almost that microculture stuff we were talking about. Within that context, if you let it free flow and you don't sort of be mindful and thoughtful about the way that you're using your own behaviors and the shared behaviors, then it'll go whatever way. It'll be the ocean, right? It'll just flow. And then you step out and go into your next meeting. You're probably running a little bit late because that's also what happens a lot. And you join nine more people for the next meeting. So if you think of the way culture's built, it's basically a series of these things that go on outside some of the structural and process elements that is very, very difficult to get your arms mm. around and very mercurial, I think, in a sense yeah. that it actually um, exists. So it's, it's, it's hard and difficult and part of paddling out, sort of getting your head around, making sure that you're open to, to that and getting, it, getting set around the challenge. Mm. And I think one of the things about the microcultures, which is about subgroups and silos, okay, the moment you have a silo, and I can't tell you, I'd probably be rich if I was paid a dollar for every time told, you know, people told me we've got silos. Now, <laughs> if you can identify silos in an organization, what's actually happening is that their values and their identity is invested in a subgroup that is not necessarily the same as the overall organization. Mm. So if you want to function as an organization with separate arms, that might work. Wow. Okay, but in, in the kind of world that we're living, organizations actually need to be integrated in order to adapt successfully to wow. what's happening in the marketplace. So if you've got every subgroup and microculture doing their own thing, it gets harder and harder to do that. And the moment you talk about bringing them together, you've got people who are now attached to that way of being. Mm. And so people will come to their own conclusions. They might do what you tell them but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get energy around that or discretionary effort. The other thing with paddling out is sometimes you've got to, you've got to be prepared to swim against the tide. Oh. So one of the things that we talk about in the paper is that not every subgroup changes at the same rate. Yep. And your desire and motivation to change the culture has got to be stronger than the current culture. Oh. You've got to be stronger than the current of the culture, current culture, just staying within metaphor. <laughs> and this is something that I think it's one of those things you don't realize because you think you're going to announce this great big culture change. It's going to be great. Got some fantastic pictures of people enjoying themselves. Everyone's happy, right? And they're not going to be. You're going to have some people where they're more invested in keeping things the way they are. Mm. And so you have to find a way of unlocking people's ability to learn and arrive at a place that it's not about just what they want to, but you've got to try and get a way of normalizing or collectivizing an idea Mm. that's not so narrow Mm. that people can't fit inside that. So people have to care is kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, like, totally. Like 
it reminds me actually of our global CEO, Dr. Rob Cook, at the conference a couple of years ago saying the hardest thing to change about culture is the culture, right? Because it will work to reinforce itself, yeah. right? So if you're going to change that, it actually takes a considerable effort to yeah. swim against the tide, so to speak. And I think that's the point. A lot of yeah. people don't realize we talk about time and effort required to do it. You can't, it's not a single trick. That's very difficult to, as I say, it's not linear. No. You know, it's, it's a very different to your normal organizational cadence. Whatever organization um, oh. you're involved with, it doesn't actually matter, but it's, it's quite different. Yeah. But the last part that we talk about, and it kind of relates to what you were saying, Corinne, is checking yourself. Yeah. You know, when we oh. start these programs and, hey, I was in that shoe, in those shoes, I should say, when I started, you know, it's all about how do we improve our culture? That's about everybody else doing stuff. How do I change them to make yeah. them do if what I think? If only they were like me. Because <laughs> I'm amazing, yeah. <laughs> and so we, we, we use the Gandhi quote, or Gandhi, it's, it's you know, be the change you want to see. Mm. And that requires an enormous amount of courage. So when you're paddling out, it's not just a you are yourself needing to work on those muscles, work on those oh. skills, work oh. on the energy around the change yourself as much as you're helping the organization to do that which can be quite difficult actually and, and confronting because if you're accepting that behaviors and cultures are linked, and I think we all are, then you're looking in the mirror at your own behaviors and trying to work out how you can be better at some of those behaviors. Um, and that can be quite a confronting thing. So mm -hmm. if you're not looking in the mirror as the leader of a culture change project and saying, what have I got to do, me, myself and I, no one else, as oh. much as how do I bring the organization along with me, then you'll get you'll get tipped off your board as you're, mm. as you're going out to catch a wave. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like it takes to work, to help an organization work on its culture, you've, you've got to be able to see the organization's culture with a fresh pair of eyes. Now, sometimes you can achieve that by getting somebody external. Oh. That's, that can fast track. But oh. even the people inside the organization, the people who are leading the change, need to be able to see culture warts and all mm. because if you can't step outside of it you're not going to be able to change it because if you're too adapted to the existing culture it's like a fish trying to discover water you're mm. too immersed in it mm. and so I think that's really important you don't realize and, and one of the things from a cultural point of view is when you start a cultural initiative or change or work everything that you do in the name of that cultural work or initiative has to reflect the culture you want, not the culture uh -huh. you've got. So how you do the intervention Correct. is an intervention. Correct. Yeah. Cool. So so we've we've checked the conditions, we've paddled out. What comes next, Rob? Well, what do you do once you've paddled out? Catch a wave. Catch the wave. Yeah, absolutely. Jump on. And that again is a kind of a new phase of I guess challenge. So it's checking your resilience, making sure that you're I guess picking the right time and place to to jump because it's not just you pick the conditions in which you paddle out, right? You then have to think about, well, what am I, when do I jump on which wave and what does that look like in terms of my organization and and the things that, that are actually going on. Hmm. So momentum's a big thing. If there is a, you know, a, a big organizational challenge or call for, hey, we need to get a great culture, then that sounds like a a nice place to jump on oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because you're going with with the stream of consciousness that right. the organization's created. If the organization's going really well, 
but there's a sense that in the back corridors or what have you that there are some difficulties or this we're getting it through you know less than positive these results through less than positive means then that's about then creating a, a cohort of thinking in the organization that says well yes we're great yes we're getting good results but gee we could be better and it's probably more about that before you then start a you know an, an initiative of any of any kind mm. i think once you're writing as well it's around how do i tick and tack if that makes sense so i think corinne talked about before look have a vision for what you want that change to look like mm. you need to accept that that vision is going to be reasonably rock solid there might be some slight changes to what the vision looks like but it's going to be there or thereabouts you're also going to have this meticulous plan that you've built up along mm. the way the which fact- happens to the dot right <laughs> it Rob? does yeah right the fact is you need to be able to shift and shape tick and tack as i say a little bit uh-huh. to say well the vision's the same, but we just learned something we need to change. Oh. Um, so in, in terms of the stuff that we planned, we rolled out to Department A. It went spectacularly well, but it didn't quite go the way we thought it would. So let's learn, adapt, and change moving towards that vision. So mm-hmm. if, if you're not being a little bit, I guess, open-minded to the things that come up in life that change, then you might fall off. Yeah. yeah. So when you catch a wave, you have to build up speed in order to get on it. And so if you catch the wave too early, it's uncatchable. So it's about timing. It's about how you involve. One thing I do want to say is that we've got this idea, it's everywhere, and I believe it to an extent, but I think we, it's one of the things that I think we differ in terms of mainstream, and that is that it's got to be top down. Mm. So I think that we think, I'm going to say we. (laughs) You're in this. You have my 100% (laughs) permission. So I think definitely... If a CEO does not support this yeah. initiative, it probably won't happen. Dead in the water. Dead in the water, dare we say it. <laughs> uh, see, this is the gift that keeps on giving. It's catching on. <laughs> He's on our just wavelength. <laughs> so the important thing about that is that it's really important for leaders to sign on mm. and to back it. But it's the people in the organization that will power it up. Mm. And so – where we've gotten to is you've really got to crowdsource a lot of your cultural initiative. You've mm. got to bring people in as early as possible. You could do it in waves, but you absolutely, culture is there to mobilize your people. And so I think the days when it came down from, you know, the tablets came down from the mountain in terms of the CEO and the executive mm. retreat, I don't think that that is an efficient or the best way of going. I think definitely they have to do their work. But I think that you need, to me, culture's more of a, it's like more of a social movement you're trying to create rather than a program or a, you know, a kind of top-down initiative. Leaders can, this is one area where people will come to their own conclusions and they might do what you tell them because you're my boss. But if I don't believe it, if I don't agree with it, you're not going to get my discretionary effort. Yeah, you're not going to actually go ahead and do it. No. So we can go to the leaders retreat and say, hey, good news, everyone, we've got a new culture. Mm. <laughs> uh, but, Hallelujah. But, yeah, but people aren't necessarily on board, right? So yeah. they're not going to do it. Yeah. Cool. The other, I was just going to add, the, the, other, the last part of, I guess, the catching the wave piece is, is simplicity mm. that we talk a lot about. Mm. And, and again, this is probably an afterthought rather than something intentional about the metaphor and we use surfing as we're talking about it. You know, what do you need when you go surfing? You need a board and probably a, a wetsuit if it's cold enough. 
the more we can do that in organizations around these types of change, the better. Mm. It is, as we start off by saying it's complicated and it's confusing, and it certainly is. So the more you add to that as an organization, mm. especially from a kind of a people and culture point of view, the more it confuses organizations. Mm. So we have these you know, wonderfully well-thought-out, smart competency models or mm. bits and bobs of organizations. Mm-hmm. And what they tend to do, in my experience, is they confuse people. Mm. So we're talking about a culture change. We're talking about a behavior change as individuals. That's a lot to learn for one one human. Mm. If you can try and keep that simplicity in the message and maybe take away some of the stuff that's already going on, much that it's got a value depending on where you are in the cycle, then the we call it friction. It reduces the friction in terms oh. of some of the change management anxiety. So how do we make a change? But you know, because often we make a change that layers on, not that takes out. So mm. yeah, I think if right. you if you think of the uh, of the checking account or whatever you're using, you know, it's it's how do you take some stuff out so that you can put some stuff in and, and it all balances out in terms of effort and discretionary effort, which is essentially what you're actually asking people to do. Yeah. And any change does layer on. It creates more work mm. until it's learnt and it settles into becoming a norm. So you have to allow, it has to go at a pace that the organisation can accommodate and give people time to assimilate it and integrate it. I love that. I I keep things pretty simple for myself. So, uh, you know, but but I love that because otherwise, yeah, you. I think by keeping it simple, you actually have to know it really well. You know, like you have to understand all of its complexities in order to be able to present it simply and stuff for people. So I love that. All right. So we've, we've caught a wave. What are we doing next? We're going to ride it. Okay. Yeah. Ride it. So the riding the wave is how do you stand up, maintain your balance, and ride it for as long as you can, right to the end. And so in this part of the paper, without giving it away, we just go through, I think there are nine, nine tips or tools that we think matter that actually make a difference. In uh, Like if you look at every one of our case studies and Rob's experience as well, these are the tools that actually are important. You may not need all of them, but what we've done is lay out. So this is from personal experience of what we've seen work. And so we've got, so there are things like leadership, storytelling. Daily use is one that daily I'm use, very passionate training, about. Daily use, training, yeah. common language. So there are about nine of these things that we talk about in a little bit more detail. And I guess that's at the point at which you get a bit, bit more specific wow. with people around, okay, these things you've really got to incorporate into your plan. Wow. Cool. So that's available in the white paper, and we'll have a link to that where people can download that from our website yeah. uh, in the show notes of this podcast. Yeah. And we've actually got a uh, website. So Rob and I are really passionate about this. We want to help people move into some kind of action. So right. we've done this because we want to help people act. And so we've actually got a website, catchingwaves.com.au. And so people can download our paper. We've got some links in there to social in terms of if you want to join a conversation. But also if there are questions that you've got, we're really keen to help you answer them. Yeah, love it. So we'll have a link to, to that in the show notes. So so check out the notes of this podcast and you'll get there. Any more steps, guys? The one would be just an observation. I mean, I've, I've told this story to a few people and I've told it to Corinna as well. The power of collaboration is mm. is just something else. You know, I've considered, as I said, I think earlier in this, 
podcast, I probably don't, I, I didn't naturally think I'm just going to sit down and, and write a white paper. It wasn't mm. something that just came up with when, when Corinne suggested it, there was a level of anxiety from myself around a, uh, that just because of what I've involved and, and doing it with Corinne and having a collaborative approach where two different people that share quite similar values and thoughts around culture has made the process actually a lot slower than I would have thought, but I wouldn't swap it for the world because wow. what we've been able to get to has been something that I, I think is, is very, very helpful and significantly better, significantly better than it would have been had I tried to do it just by myself. Yeah, and I think almost in a way we've demonstrated through the process yeah. of this paper how culture can work between two people really, yeah. really well by having a you know an unsaid but a certainly a shared value set um, and a passion purpose. for what we wanted to do through purpose. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I'll keep telling that story for a while because I'm, I just have found it amazing and mm. I feel very fortunate to have been able to partner with Corinne on it. Thank you. Cool. I think that's a great note to end on. I've loved collaborating with you both here in the studio today. <laughs> Good on for you, our Dan. listeners, go check out that website. So, so get involved in, download the white paper. There's awesome tips in it. We'll have links. What's the website again, Corinne? Catchingwaves.com.au. Check it out. Thanks, get guys. Thank you, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.